If you have a Bible, you can open up to Psalm 100. We're going to go there in just a minute. On Sunday, we're going to begin in First or Second Timothy. We'll open it up, we'll start the letter, we'll get into that. And um, I want to just kind of springboard off of a single verse that will be the text for Sunday morning, but we'll go ahead and start to think about it, maybe chew on it, pre-Thanksgiving tonight. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, which reads, I thank God. Three great words. And really well-timed, I think, for, for where we are in this season of the year. I thank God, Paul writes, whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. I thank God. Let's thank Him right now. Father, we come before You tonight and we say with one heart and one voice, we thank God. We just thank You, Lord. And we could come up with lists of things to thank You for. Each one of us personal things what You have done in our lives, each of us, Father, could, could add to that and then we could expand on all the many things that we're thankful for. But more than anything else, we're just thankful to You. And Father, we pray that You would be blessed and honored. And I am thankful for my brothers and sisters here tonight and that we're gathered together in this place for the purpose of bringing thanks and praise and worship and honor to Your name. That's, that is why we're here, Father. And while being together is great, it is so much greater to worship You. So we thank You and praise You. And we just ask, Lord, that You would be blessed. And if we happen to get some blessing uh, splashed on us along the way, well, we just praise You all the more. And we ask that You would show us a couple of things here tonight and prepare our hearts and our minds for really why we are taking a day tomorrow as a national holiday called Thanksgiving. Father, may it go deeper than where it often goes for so many. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have you heard of Blackout Wednesday? Anybody heard that? Let me just see a show of hands. Anybody heard Blackout Wednesday? Okay, you haven't heard of this. This is brand new to me. It has come up in about the last five years, so it's just this decade, called Blackout Wednesday. And according to the Sun-Times of Chicago, it's reported that in Chicago, Blackout Wednesday has become a bigger night of partying to excess than New Year's Eve or St. Patrick's Day. It is a night of drunkenness. That's tonight, Blackout Wednesday. The whole idea is to get as numb as possible. To black out drunk. This is the new cultural thing. According to the Wall Street Journal, they rated tonight as the top drinking night of the year in America. Unbelievable. Now, college students are home on break, and so some apparently come home and want to go right out, meet up with their old friends and party. Some see the long weekend as a chance to go ahead and get the party started on Wednesday night. Others dread the fun their families put into dysfunctional, and so they get drunk ahead of time, or or just want to numb themselves to what they have to go through the next day at the family Thanksgiving table. It's so sad. It's so sad, it so misses the point. We didn't come tonight to be numb or forgetful. We came to be awakened and to remember our God, and to be thankful Now, there's something I want to read to you, and I've read it, I think, every year since we started the bridge. So if you've been here every year since we started, you've heard this many times. But I just love this. On October 3rd, 1863, it was President Lincoln who, by executive order, and I would say good use of executive order, he declared 
the national holiday of Thanksgiving. It's why we continue to celebrate it as we do when we do. He wrote this, No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday in November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in heaven. I just love that. And I read it every year. But did you catch what he said? I think this is the first time I saw this. He didn't say, let's have a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in heaven. He he didn't say a day of thanksgiving and praise for all the things that He's done for us. He said a a day of thanksgiving to. Do you ever think about being thankful to as opposed to being thankful for? Oftentimes when we think of thankfulness, it's thankful for. Thank you for this, thank you for that, thank you for my family, thank you for my friends, thank you for the roof over my head. And we go down the list of things that we're thankful for. True thanksgiving is much deeper than that. It is being thankful to God. Because it's about Him. And so I I thought about that and and realized, you know, there are people who know that, who get that, who understand it. The whole reason why President Lincoln declared we'd have a national holiday of Thanksgiving is because it was already taking place. In fact, it had been taking place annually for 244 years. It started in the New England colonies. In fact, one of the premier moments that many people are unaware of happened on December 4th, 1619. When, get this, 38 colonists, pilgrims, if you will, of the Berkeley Hundred landed on America's shores. Did you catch that? 38, but they were called when they left England, the Berkeley Hundred. 62 people died on the crossing. They got off the ship and before they did anything else, this was written down, We ordain that the day of our ship's arrival in the land of Virginia shall be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. That's being thankful to rather than just thankful for. Because if it's all about being thankful for and you're on a ship crossing the Atlantic and two out of three people are dead by the time you arrive on America's shores, how in the world can you be thankful for anything? Thankful, I guess, that we survived. But they are thankful. We're thankful to God. And so we can go back to Abraham Lincoln. We can go further back to the Berkeley survivors. And because of all that, Thanksgiving has become embedded in our national culture, although more and more people misunderstand the whole idea that the day is not about turkey and stuffing and food. It's not about forcing yourself to be with people you normally don't want to be around. You know, it's about... Jesus Christ. And it is about being thankful to. And for God-fearing people, and we'll talk about this more on Sunday, but our thanksgiving goes back way further than Honest Abe or the Berkeley Hundred. Way further. Spurgeon put it this way. It's a favorite quote of mine. He said, Let us sing the old hundredth is one of the everyday expressions in the Christian church and will be so while men exist whose hearts are loyal to the great king. So let's read it. The old hundredth. Psalm 100. 
which reads, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Notice who it's about. Notice what it's all about. It's all about thanksgiving too. It's all about Him and His nature and His goodness and what He's done. It's not about what we've received, though we receive so much from Him. And then it says in verse 4, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Note again, give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. Now I want to get back to more thanks and more praise and more worship. But i got to tell you something real quick. It's interesting in Psalm 100 when you read this and think about it that He says we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. And then He says we're going to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. What kind of dumb sheep enters His courts Now think about this with thanksgiving. Because there was only one reason the sheep entered the courts of the temple, and that was for the slaughter. And yet the psalmist completely turns it around. There's really only two kinds of sheep that I can think of that would enter the courts at all. There are the sheep for the slaughter, and they're the ones who are unaware that they are about to be slain on the altar. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3. The prophet is frustrated with rebellious sheep and he says, drag them off like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for a day of carnage. Let me tell you with all seriousness, there are people who will celebrate, quote unquote, Thanksgiving tomorrow, who right now are sheep for the slaughter. They're entering the courts blindly, not having a clue what awaits in the courts themselves. What a tragedy. And how many do we know who are in that place and need to hear the name of Jesus? And need to understand that there are a group of sheep who will enter His courts with praise, who come through His gates thanking God. And it is not sheep for the slaughter, it's sheep for the sparing. Those who know that the sacrifice on the altar has already been made. That is the only reason any sheep would walk in with thanksgiving I was going to say on his lips. Do sheep have lips? I don't even know. I don't think they... Sorry, that was a bad joke. But Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All of us, like sheep, we've all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Peter says, You were continually straying like sheep. Each of us. But now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And because you have come to Jesus, you can enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Because the slaughter already took place. As we worship, ask yourself, which one am I? Am I a sheep to be slain? Or am I one of the sheep who has been spared by the blood of the Lamb? Let's stand up together and continue worshiping. What I want to tell you now is kind of a part two to what we already started. That we give thanks to God. That the depth and the breadth and the richness of our thanksgiving is most affected when our focus is not on ourselves for what we have or want to receive, but it's on Him for who He is. And we give thanks to Him. 
But there's another aspect of that, and it's something that I did think about that. And it's kind of a rabbit trail from what we'll be talking about on Sunday. And so when I realized I could share it tonight, I got really excited. So rabbit trail with me just for a moment, or turkey trail if you must. But come with me just for a moment, because there is a part B to this. That the idea is that we give thanks to God, but we do give thanks for See, somehow in the marvelous nature of our awesome Father, somehow our praising Him does get on us. Our thanking Him does impact us. It changes us. It affects us. Though we might come to Him with completely altruistic motives, wanting it to be all about Him, is there anyone in here who doesn't recognize that when we walk out of this place, we have been blessed. We have been filled up. We have been encouraged. And that's a true dynamic of thanksgiving. And here's the thing I want you to get, and and I've been processing this myself, and and I'm so, I don't know, just I I was really touched by it uh, over the last few weeks. And that is that there is a direct correlation between a thankful heart and a fruitful life. Put another way, the degree to which we are thankful will determine the degree to which we are fruitful. If you want to be more fruitful in your life, then you add thanksgiving. Because the more thankful you are, the more fruitful you become, and I can prove it to you. Galatians 5.22, familiar verse to us, tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. And when we went through Galatians, we talked about it's the Spirit that develops and, and produces and cultivates that fruit in us. How does that work? Listen, fruitfulness, it equals fulfillment. So while fruitful might still be more of a Christian word than a used, used everyday word, you know, unless you live in California. The idea of being fruitful means being fulfilled. It means you're doing what you were made to do. It means you see produce, if you will, in your life. When you look at the life you're living, you can say, I feel good about it. I mean, I have satisfaction in this. Not, not selfish, whoa, look at me, but wow, there's, there are things going on here. And I want you to understand, as I've been grasping, that the more thankful we are, the more fruit is produced. It is a direct correlation And if you think about it, who would not desire a harvest of love and joy and peace? Is there anyone who wouldn't want more of that? Or who wouldn't want to be able to taste the fruit of patience and kindness and goodness? Or the produce of faithfulness and gentleness? And yes, even self-control. For as much as people like to talk about partying and being wild and getting out there, no, we want to be in control of ourselves. No one wants to look like an idiot. We want these things. So what does thankfulness have to do with fruitfulness? The thankful heart is rich soil for the Spirit of Christ to cultivate that fruit. As I'm thankful, the fruitfulness begins to happen. Because again, He's the focus. I'm giving thanks to. And because I'm giving thanks to, suddenly I find myself now giving thanks for. And the two must precede the four. Otherwise, my focus is all off. I I thank God for who He is. And in that thankfulness, it produces fruitfulness. It is an absolute guarantee. Give thanks to, and you will give thanks for. Because there will be fruit being produced. True thanksgiving, as we learn from the Berkeley 100, is not circumstantial. 
If true thanksgiving is based on how we've been blessed this last year, well then there would be some years where you would not celebrate thanksgiving. Because the circumstances just weren't good. True thanksgiving is not about what I'm thankful for, but again, who I am thankful to. And that is Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. So let's, let's look at some words of Jesus before we finish this tonight. Turn to John 15 if you have a Bible. John 15. If you don't, again, just listen up. John 15. Where Jesus ties in, I believe, this, this correlation of a thankful heart with a fruitful life. And He says, I am the true vine. You all may know the back story to this or the backdrop. It's Thursday night, the night before His betrayal, or the night of His betrayal, the night before His crucifixion. He's with the eleven. Judas at this point has betrayed Him, has left. And as Jesus now travels with the eleven, leaving that upper room, we believe coming out of the temple courts or away from the temple mount itself, looking back up, he could see that huge golden vine that Herod paid for with his own money to put up in the front of the temple. Kind of an homage to Herod. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. And he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now when we study that, let me just remind you of this, takes away does not mean He chops you off and throws you into the fire. Because He's talking about branches in Him. So if there's a branch in Him that's not bearing fruit, He, the Greek says, aeiros. Aeiro means literally to trellis or to lift up. Every branch that's not bearing fruit, and this works with a vineyard, if it's not bearing fruit, it's probably because it's down on the ground. So they trellis it, they get it up off the ground, it gets more water, it gets more oxygen, and it begins to bear fruit. That's what Jesus does. He lifts you up so you will bear more fruit. Every branch in me he does not, that does not bear fruit, he, he lifts up, He takes away, it says, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And that's not that He chops you up. The word prunes is katharos, where we get the word cathartic. You'll see that word again on Sunday. And it means He washes it. And so the vine dresser would wash the vines. And as He washed the vines, He would clean them of the filth and the junk, and the water would then seep deeper into the vines and produce even more fruit. This is what Jesus does. And then He says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in Me and I in you. How do we do that? Now, the, the brief answer is prayer. You know, abide in Him. Pray. But for so many, you hear that and you think, well, okay, what does that look like? Or how do I do that? And is, is, is that the Our Father who art in Heaven prayer? Well, that's a good place to start. Can I just suggest to you Thanksgiving? Abide in Me. How do I abide in Him? Be thankful. Lift up thanks to Him. Constantly, continually, consistently. Because the more thankful I am to Him, again, the more thankful I am for what begins to happen. For the fruit that He begins to produce. Abide in Me, Jesus says, and I in you. Because the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. No fat. Without him, no fruit. 
You've got to have the vine to have the fruit. And along comes the Father, the vine dresser, in the Spirit, and begins to lift you up if you're not bearing fruit, or wash you off that you might bear even more fruit. I find that interesting. He, he lifts us up if we're not bearing fruit. If you're having trouble bearing fruit, or you're not seeing fruitfulness in your life, thank God for who He is. Worship Jesus. Lift up in worship and thanksgiving and watch the fruit begin to grow. If anyone does not abide in Me, He says He's thrown away, verse 6, as a branch and dries up. Now He's talking about those who will not abide in Jesus, who reject Jesus, who say, no, I'll do this on My own. Okay, you're going to dry up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. My friends, those branches who refuse the vine are the same as the dumb sheep who are going to the slaughter. They have no idea. They don't recognize the price that has been paid that would save them for all eternity. And then Jesus says, Oh, but if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because it's His words. I'm thanking Him. I'm thankful to Him. And I'm thankful for what He's doing. And all the words that then begin to flow, they're His words. And verse 8, He finally says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. It's an amazing cycle of thankfulness and fruitfulness that produces more thankfulness, which produces more fruitfulness. And in there, God is glorified. You know, here's the deal. We come to glorify God. We come to give thanks to Him. As we do, He produces thankful hearts which become fruitful hearts which in turn glorifies Him even more. And around we go in this wonderful, consistent, continual, not annual, continual thanksgiving. And it works. It works. If you're down... If you're depressed, if you're feeling like you're in a nowhere job, if you're, you're not getting anywhere and you feel like your life is stalled out, thank God. Give thanks to Him. And you will find, in short order, you will be giving thanks for what He has done. I have some Thanksgiving homework for you and we're going to worship a little bit more tonight. But your homework is simply this. Over the, I, the college students hate this. You know, it's Wednesday and the professor says, you got homework. Well, you got homework. Are you ready? This is a tough one. I encourage you to memorize 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3a. I thank God. Let's try that together. I thank God. Worship team, come on back up. So... One of the other things, and, and uh, when you when you work through teaching and, and think about what you want to share and what's important to share, um, one of the challenges is that your own words can get in the way, your own ideas, and you find yourself rabbit trailing. Mean, you think I rabbit trail badly in here at times? Trust me. And so often I pray, Lord, what do you want shared? What, what am I supposed to be saying here? Not, not what do I think or what do I want, but, but what do you want shared? And, and, and this, what I want to tell you now, is kind of a part two to what we already started, that we give thanks to God.
that the depth and the breadth and the richness of our thanksgiving is most affected when our focus is not on ourselves for what we have or want to receive, but it's on Him for who He is. And we give thanks to Him. But there's another aspect of that, and it's something that I did think about that. And it's kind of a rabbit trail from what we'll be talking about on Sunday. And so when I realized I could share it tonight, I got really excited. So rabbit trail with me just for a moment, or turkey trail if you must. But come with me just for a moment, because there is a part B to this. That the idea is that we give thanks to God, but we do give thanks for. See, somehow in the marvelous nature of our awesome Father... Somehow, our praising Him does get on us. Our thanking Him does impact us. It changes us. It affects us. Though we might come to Him with completely altruistic motives, wanting it to be all about Him, is there anyone in here who doesn't recognize that when we walk out of this place, we have been blessed. We have been filled up. We have been encouraged. And that's a true dynamic of thanksgiving. And here's the thing I want you to get, and, and I've been processing this myself, and, and I'm so, I don't know, just I, I was really touched by it uh, over the last few weeks. And that is that there is a direct correlation between a thankful heart and a fruitful life. Put another way, the degree to which we are thankful will determine the degree to which we are fruitful. If you want to be more fruitful in your life, then you add thanksgiving. Because the more thankful you are, the more fruitful you become, and I can prove it to you. Galatians 5.22, familiar verse to us, tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. And when we went through Galatians, we talked about it's the Spirit that develops and, and produces and cultivates that fruit in us. How does that work? Listen, fruitfulness... It equals fulfillment. So while fruitful might still be more of a Christian word than a used everyday word, you know, unless you live in California. The idea of being fruitful means being fulfilled. It means you're doing what you were made to do. It means you see produce, if you will, in your life. When you look at the life you're living, you can say... I feel good about it. I mean, I have satisfaction in this. Not, not selfish, whoa, look at me, but wow, there's, there are things going on here. And I want you to understand, as I've been grasping, that the more thankful we are, the more fruit is produced. It is a direct correlation. And if you think about it, who would not desire a harvest of love and joy and peace? Is there anyone who wouldn't want more of that? Or who wouldn't want to be able to taste the fruit of patience and kindness and goodness? Or the produce of faithfulness and gentleness? And yes, even self-control. For as much as people like to talk about partying and being wild and getting out there, no, we want to be in control of ourselves. No one wants to look like an idiot. We want these things. So what does thankfulness have to do with fruitfulness? The thankful heart is rich soil for the Spirit of Christ to cultivate that fruit. As I'm thankful, the fruitfulness begins to happen because again, He's the focus. I'm giving thanks to, and because I'm giving thanks to, suddenly I find myself now giving thanks for. And the two must precede the four. Otherwise, my focus is all off. 
I, I thank God for who He is. And in that thankfulness, it produces fruitfulness. It is an absolute guarantee. Give thanks to, and you will give thanks for. Because there will be fruit being produced. True thanksgiving, as we learn from the Berkeley 100, is not circumstantial. If true thanksgiving is based on how we've been blessed this last year, well then there would be some years where you would not celebrate thanksgiving. Because the circumstances just weren't good. True thanksgiving is not about what I'm thankful for, but again, who I am thankful to. And that is Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. So let's, let's look at some words of Jesus before we finish this tonight. Turn to John 15 if you have a Bible. John 15. If you don't, again, just listen up. John 15. Where Jesus ties in, I believe, this, this correlation of a thankful heart with a fruitful life. And He says, I am the true vine. You all may know the back story to this or the backdrop. It's Thursday night, the night before His betrayal, or the night of His betrayal, the night before His crucifixion. He's with the eleven. Judas at this point has betrayed Him, has left. And as Jesus now travels with the eleven, leaving that upper room, we believe coming out of the temple courts or away from the temple mount itself, looking back up, he could see that huge golden vine that Herod paid for with his own money to put up in the front of the temple. Kind of an homage to Herod. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. And He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Now when we studied that, let me just remind you of this, takes away does not mean He chops you off and throws you into the fire. Because He's talking about branches in Him. So if there's a branch in Him that's not bearing fruit, He, the Greek says, aeiros. Aeiro means literally to trellis or to lift up. Every branch that's not bearing fruit, and this works with a vineyard, if it's not bearing fruit, it's probably because it's down on the ground. So they trellis it, they get it up off the ground, it gets more water, it gets more oxygen, and it begins to bear fruit. That's what Jesus does. He lifts you up so you will bear more fruit. Every branch of me he does not, that does not bear fruit, he, he lifts up, He takes away, it says, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And that's not that He chops you up. The word prunes is katharos, where we get the word cathartic. You'll see that word again on Sunday. And it means He washes it. And so the vine dresser would wash the vines. And as He washed the vines, He would clean them of the filth and the junk, and the water would then seep deeper into the vines and produce even more fruit. This is what Jesus does. And then He says in verse 3, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in Me and I in you. How do we do that? Now, the, the brief answer is prayer. You know, abide in Him. Pray. But for so many, you hear that and you think, well, okay, what does that look like? Or how do I do that? And is, is, is that the Our Father who art in Heaven prayer? Well, that's a good place to start. Can I just suggest to you Thanksgiving? Abide in Me. How do I abide in Him? Be thankful. Lift up thanks to Him. Constantly, continually, consistently. Because the more thankful I am to Him, again, the more thankful I am for what begins to happen. For the fruit that He begins to produce. Abide in Me, Jesus says, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in Me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from Me you cannot do anything. No fat. Without Him, no fruit. you got to have the vine to have the fruit. And along comes the Father, the vine dresser, in the Spirit, and begins to lift you up if you're not bearing fruit, or wash you off that you might bear even more fruit. I find that interesting. He, he lifts us up if we're not bearing fruit. If you're having trouble bearing fruit, or you're not seeing fruitfulness in your life, thank God for who He is. Worship Jesus. Lift up in worship and thanksgiving and watch the fruit begin to grow. If anyone does not abide in Me, He says He's thrown away, verse 6, as a branch and dries up. Now He's talking about those who will not abide in Jesus, who reject Jesus, who say, no, I'll do this on My own. Okay, you're going to dry up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. My friends, those branches who refuse the vine are the same as the dumb sheep who are going to the slaughter. They have no idea. They don't recognize the price that has been paid that would save them for all eternity. And then Jesus says, oh, but if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because it's His words. I'm thanking Him. I'm thankful to Him. And I'm thankful for what He's doing. And all the words that then begin to flow, they're His words. And verse 8, He finally says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. It's an amazing cycle of thankfulness and fruitfulness that produces more thankfulness, which produces more fruitfulness. And in there, God is glorified. You know, here's the deal. We come to glorify God. We come to give thanks to Him. As we do, He produces thankful hearts which become fruitful hearts which in turn glorifies Him even more. And around we go in this wonderful, consistent, continual, not annual, continual thanksgiving. And it works. It works. If you're down... If you're depressed, if you're feeling like you're in a nowhere job, if you're, you're not getting anywhere and you feel like your life is stalled out, thank God. Give thanks to Him. And you will find, in short order, you will be giving thanks for what He has done. I have some Thanksgiving homework for you and we're going to worship a little bit more tonight. But your homework is simply this. Over the, I, the College students hate this. You know, it's Wednesday and the professor says, you got homework. Well, you got homework. Are you ready? This is a tough one. I encourage you to memorize 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3a. I thank God. Let's try that together. I thank God. Do you? Let's be thankful. Worship team, come on back up.